All right, we should be live here. Okay, um, cool. We're still trying to get Edward on. Uh, apparently, he had a uh, an error trying to get signed up. So I'm going to work on that. Um, but Matt, what have you been playing lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have well, as far as uh, train games go, I've been playing. Sorry, I'm also looking at the at the video feed here. Okay. Um, as far as train games go, uh, I've been playing, gotten in a few games of 18 Dixie, which has been a lot of fun and a learning experience. Um, it's one I'm not particularly good at, but uh, it's a very, very cool game. Um, and then I've been playing, what I've been playing a lot lately is uh, PAX Premier, the new newer uh, Sierra Madre games. Well, I guess they had a bunch of new games this last year so but i've been learning and trying to teach that to anybody who wants to teach and in fact i just got my my schmancy uh pax premier deluxe board in the mail from phil eklund's garage yesterday so now now i'll be uh you know a huge uh, premier booster locally how about you um got my first 18xx game in um so i'm i'm kind of new to the uh to that vein of of train game uh we did a 1846 um really enjoyed it the group enjoyed it uh it, it was a very obviously we were all first time players except for one maybe two um and uh so it it was a, a learning experience, definitely. Yeah, we all really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, I, I, I mean, we all came out of it saying we'd do it again. So, I mean, I can definitely understand the appeal. Um, uh, do you want to hang on one moment? I'm sorry, I got Ed on the phone here. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, we all we we're we're new to this uh, the hangout thing. So we're, we've been trying to uh, figure that out and get uh, Ed on the. Uh, on the hangout so we're going to take a technical uh, break here hey andrew yeah have you tried resending it at just the uh the heavy cardboard email i did once i'll do it again um give that a shot Thanks everybody who's bearing yeah, with yeah. us on Thanks this. Thanks for bearing with us. The whole um, setting up the Hangout to Air to YouTube has been a uh, an interesting challenge. Um, and the chat is still disabled. We still don't know how to get the chat working. So if you have questions. Uh, hey, look at that. Hey, hey, hey. hey. It was an email I'm problem. I'm disappointed that I didn't get a chance to have uh, Barry White playing in the background. Oh, <laughs> sorry. There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> we were just chatting about what we've been uh, what we've been playing uh, lately. All right. Oh, look at you with a big fancy microphone and shit. I know. Crazy, huh? Right. I'm feeling very low tech with my my set from work. I should really up my game here. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna act like a professional, yeah, I don't I mean, have the Jesus Christ, dude. Oh well. I'm not going to act like a professional. So okay. <laughs> oh, no, wait, you're a hipster. So, no, hipster. that works out. <laughs> yeah, I should really fire up my gramophone here and get some. Right. Like, so, <laughs> hey, I'm curious. The whole yeah. Matt Clark at Minneapolis Matt thing, does that show under mine? So you got to go in and do it. Um, okay, teach me. All right, so if you look on the side, there's a uh, should be a um, red kind of toolbox that says Hangout Toolbox. Nope. Nope. On the right. On the uh, left. I'm sorry. Oh, so kind of okay, hover over. Be like a Whoa. screen share showcase. No, yeah, I got Q &A, settings. Google Hangout under Q and A. Uh, let's see. Chat. Fuck. I I, I don't see Q and A. I mean I. Um. Hold on. Wait. Actually, let's see. Screen share. Let's see. Oh, there's a million of them. Um, let's like do this toolbox thing. one. See if that shows up. Is that hold on there? Is that showing up? No, that's just now you're sharing your computer. No, it's 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 cool, man. We'll we'll uh 
No, I'm just curious how to get that. Yeah, well, yeah, you see? do you guys see what I'm seeing? Yes, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I don't see the Q&A or the toolbox thing underneath. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Do you guys, can you guys add it? Huh. Yes. Oh, right. oh, to yours, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. I, so. Yeah, it's all, like I said, this has been a very technical uh, challenge just getting all of this. Like, even the account set up, because it was like, um, you have to go through uh, Google Plus, and then that ha you have to ha set up an account, and that account has to be, like, and Google Plus is just a, like, I never know what screen I'm on. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so, so um, well, it's we'll official. It I, th I think this is Rage of Steam, episode one. <laughs> yeah. Technical problems. Yeah, right. train games and and Lane Google trends. Hangout tech support. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, so what are you playing? Uh, not much because I missed yesterday. They played 1880. I was supposed to run 1846, but that fell apart because I wasn't there. I was going to teach it to a bunch of newbies. Um. Let's see, what else have I been playing? I guess just the stuff that I said on the last podcast, which is Lignum, uh, Signori, and Reef Encounter. Yes. Right. Hey, all right. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, <laughs> but other than that, not much. Just been sick, and so that's... Oh, that's that sucks. Yeah, it does. But I did, I did bring for show and tell. I, oh. I brought some... Ooh. We have some winsome stuff. We have, let's see... We have eighteen uh, seventeen. Oh, you know, nice. to be able to talk about. We have a uh, a custom eighteen AL box. Cool. And two more. We have train theme stuff here. Steam yeah. Ready. And of course, Age of Steam. So. Yeah. I figured, you know, we can, as we talk about this stuff, we can actually show it off, maybe. I don't know. You guys might not want that. I was just trying to think outside the box, so to speak. No, I, I'm glad you did. Yeah, I don't have any uh, brand new acquisitions, but next episode I should have something fun and weird to show yeah. off. So I'm, I'm Excellent. Excited. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so, Andrew, you... Uh, Andrew was saying he just did a newbie game of 1846. How long did your guys' game go? Uh, we started at 9 a.m., and I think we were done by 2, but we called it. Um, okay. Uh, but, yeah, we had uh, somebody in the group who had played a um, 1830, like in the past, had paid, played some 18 uh, XX games. and then, um, But the teaching was, I mean, it took a good good hour or so just to get some of that down. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But it was interesting because I thought there would be some like reaction of like, I never want to do this again type stuff. Um, and it went, right. it went much better than that to where people were like, um, no, we, you know, they'd be interested in doing it. Like I said, it, we've, and we've had this conversation, it's just finding the time um, to set aside for that. Um, we had played Baltimore, Ohio with the same group Oh, cool! And they had liked that, and so when when I said, "Hey, we're going to do this," the you know the 1846, and Adam had taught us Baltimore, Ohio. Everybody was kind of like they kind of knew what they were in for, and um, cool. Was, it was very enjoyable. Um, you know, just trying to figure some of that out, and uh, so none of y'all, just that one person, had played 1830 prior. Yeah, well, and Adam, Adam has. Um, Played quite a few, so that was Adam Brocker, right? Yeah, yeah. Adam, okay. um, he's kind of in in my gaming group. I mean, we we, um, yeah, he has family and stuff, and so it's uh, we occasionally game. I have a every Tuesday night that he has come to on occasion, mm -hmm. so I do like a Tuesday night group, and we usually play like two hour Euro games. I mean, that's that's essentially what we play. Okay. But every so often, we try to set up something a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, he lives uh, he lives nearby, and uh, so you know he's he wanted to set this up. Cool. Well, did, end result was it all overall positive? I mean, as a yeah, general... yeah, yeah. I think um, it, it was. It's one of those things to where when we play it again next time, I think the end result of those type of games or those teaching games is that like, well. 
you know, we're learning, but it's not like I won or I my I didn't even know what my strategy was because I didn't know the complexity of the game yet. And so it's always nice to have that. Um, well, the next time we play it, that'll be the game, right? Because now we went through the whole, the whole thing, and um, I think some lights popped on about like what what you need to do, and um, you know, it's a simple, complex game. It's you know, lots of choices and lots of ways to screw yourself up. Well, that and butterfly effect, because you don't know yeah. that some some choices you made now, like my, uh, I played a game the first of 1846, the night we got to BGGCon, which is Tuesday, and I tried a different strategy that I'd never tried before. I opened the B&O and then um, parachuted in where it's allowed to over on the western side of the map, and basically that move cost me the game. Like, I could not recover from that move, and, you know, four hours later... I well, all the way through I was playing catch up but I'd realized that my very first choice after we'd gotten the privates uh, dealt out and chosen uh, ended up costing me the game so but I still enjoyed it I enjoyed yeah, yeah. that uphill climb sure. but that's how you learn in 18xx games is trial and error oh that didn't work let me not do that again you know right and I think well, and one of the players had set the stock value a little too high, and that the 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 ramification of that kind of haunted him till the end. And then a lot of it was just not like knowing what privates to take or what they, um, you know, or that's w- when I go into games like that, it's like um, trying to digest all of that right off the bat. And I tend to be in a in a learning game, just make a decision and let's go because we're really yeah. just we're not we're not really like, don't get too AP over it because the idea here is is that we're all going to learn from this, you know, what's going on here and move forward, and so don't really worry about it because you know it's going to be wrong, and so I tend to just grab stuff and go and then see what other people do. Now I know better, you know, I know some stuff for, for the next time, but... Sure. Um, that's the best way to treat a learning game. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they drag. That's the reason you hear about these six and seven hour 1846 games that make me want to just claw my eyes out. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, and that's with with the Euro games the same way. It's like you know there are game nights that we have where it's like, hey, none of us know this game. We're gonna we're gonna play it. It's like, don't agonize over the win. <laughs> right. Know, it's like tonight's not about you know like like next game. Um. But then I have a, a guy in our group who that's his, he's like, he's very good at breaking stuff. Like, he's very good at pick, he can pick out that thing that breaks, not breaks the game, but he, he like, focuses on a strategy. And his point is, is that usually that first game is the one he'll win because he can figure that out. Before we, before we wrap our heads around the strategy, right, like we're trying to figure out the strategy, well, he'll, he'll win in that. But then he says later on, once we catch up, you know, understanding, like, the whole, like, we'll do better later on than he will because we're better at um, you know some of those things so but uh, but yeah I, I didn't agonize over the decisions too much because I knew it was going to be I have no idea what's going on but um, you know and then once you see the mechanisms in place you start to see oh okay well now I have to think about that next time and, and 46 is a kinder gentler game so I've heard yeah 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 I think I saw it suggested in the heavy cardboard forums about if you have the time that um, a good way to introduce 18xx to some players is just take a game like 1830 and just play through the four trains and that gives enough so the first train rusting gives everybody sort of an idea of like oh okay that's <laughs> what, what we gotta get ready for now. You know? I just bought them yep. they haven't even run yes. yep um, and it's one of those, I, I mean, I like to play a game to the end as much as anybody, but I'm like, oh, yeah, if you have the time, it's not bad. Of course, I uh, I usually try and foist 1889 onto people, which is essentially truncated 1830 anyway. So, Which, having played it now, I would agree with you. Uh, 1889 is basically 1830 mm-hmm. in, uh, on an island in Japan that, yeah. and it, it, it's, it's awesome, it's great, it's fast, it's short, and you get Everything except for one thing that 1830 has, and that one thing is I personally do not like 1830. 
Yeah, has nothing to do with the fact that uh, it's more uh, stock shenanigans. I like that side of the game. I also like the run a good company side of 18xx. But the reason I don't like 1830 in particular, I like all the clones just about. I just don't like 1830 is the tile um, manifest, the, the, the tile options are so restrictive. Yeah. I just don't enjoy that aspect of that one map, but even though it's the same similar tile group uh, for 1889 and say 1857, um, I mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed both of those games. So oh, those cool. would be a couple that I could recommend as beginner ones along with 1846. Right. So I was thinking about this question, and I, um, if you eliminated 18xx from the train game genre, would you still like train games? Yes. Yes. And I think for me, my, most of my history with train games is is based in the winsome games. So even with now, would there be winsome games the same way without 18xx? I don't. I'm not sure. Like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, my clamshells. Hooray. <laughs> but, you know, if I had only ever played Chicago Express and Age of Steam, what I would I would still love those games. Like those were my first you know, serious train games, I guess. Right. And uh, and they're great. They're great games. So See, for me, I dig trains. Like let, yeah, yeah. let's just get remove the game aspect. Just I like the idea of what they represent in the history of train companies and just you know like the other day I got there are two train track two sets of train tracks near my house okay and as long as I'm not in a rush I ter- I don't terribly mind getting stopped by the train cuz it it just kind of you can watch them go by and wonder huh I wonder where this is coming from did this make it is it taking coal from the coal mines of West Virginia coming here I don't know I just love the there's just something, I don't know, some bigger thing than just the trains themselves and what they represent in the history and all of that. So I dig trains in and of itself. As a little kid, I was fascinated by train layouts, uh, like model railroad, whether it's N-scale, Z-scale, HO, whatever. I've always been fascinated with the layouts. So then, as I get into the hobby... Oh, there's train games. Even though it's all about the economics and and such and and stocks and and all that, which I thoroughly enjoy, it just all of it bringing all that background into it makes me enjoy these games even more. Like if it was about I don't know the automobile industry or whatever, fill in the right word, would I still enjoy them? Yes. Would I enjoy them as much? I don't know. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's what's always my draw for it has always been the history part of it. Um, I I was actually born in Colorado, Leadville, Leadville, Colorado. Uh, didn't yeah, didn't didn't live there much. My dad was in the Air Force, so we were all over. But we were always near kind of uh, rural areas with trains, and then ending up in the West, and they're just such an integral. You know, I'm in Arizona, so that sh- and they're just su- such an integral part of uh, the history here. And I'm I'm a huge history buff. And they just it just fits in prominently with everything that went on, and so even before I was into the you know the board games, I was into trains. Um, so I think that's that was the same thing. Oh, hey, there's these games, you know, and I can put myself in some of that. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's my draw to it. And and my wife's grandfather worked for BNSF. Oh, cool. uh, the company, and actually, that's why our uh, little mascot uh, is called Davis. It's his last name, uh, and so kind of the honor Amanda's family um, and the fact that he worked in the train. So our little, we have a little teak elephant, which you guys have probably seen pictures of and whatever. I've played games with Davis. I have seen <laughs> yeah, it. There you go. He's about yay big. A little teak elephant that we ordered, and he's the, the namesake of the show for the heavy cardboard stuff. And, yeah, so all of that history ties into it. And I think it's awesome that Amanda is big into the train games as well, which, let's face it, it is a very heavily male-dominated part of the hobby. As a general rule, right, wrong, or otherwise, just fact, 
is the fact that um, it's very mathy. A lot of the train-themed games are mathy. Not all. You have Railways of the World, Ticket to Ride, and all that stuff. But when... Excuse me. Still dealing with being sick, and today's right. the worst day of it, so <clears throat> I'm faking it as best I can. I apologize. No problem. Um, so you have uh, the majority of them, 18XX, Winsome, um, Age of Steam, stuff like that. They're all tend to be on the more mathematical side of things, and men, as a general rule, not 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 uh, uh, excluding anybody, I think it's awesome seeing more women in train games, but I, I wonder if that's the reason, because Amanda doesn't normally like math stuff, yet she loves playing these train games. We have um, the other ones, uh, there's Coffee Runner, uh, in, in in our guild, and she is a... Uh, oh, yeah, Rebecca, yep. Yeah, yep. she's a big train gamer. We have Morganza, who yep. is a... She eats, breathes, and sleeps train games. So it's not all, but the fact that you can kind of point out there are sp particular ones, it's kind of a bummer, but it is what think, it is. Uh, you know, um, I'm sure you saw in the, uh, the Yahoo group uh, the talk about the double X chromosome games at Chattanooga yes. this year. That's awesome. All ladies uh, games of 18xx for the first time at Chattanooga, so I think we're seeing you know, uh, maybe it's just going to take some more visibility of like uh, uh, other ladies seeing that there are women playing these games, getting interested in these games, and learning these games, because I think generally it's still a pretty f it, you, it's very niche, but it's still a pretty friendly but know, it runs segment the, of the hobby. Like. It runs the gamut. I mean, when you talk about like Edward, you mentioned the um, you know Ticket to Ride, Occult Express. I mean, like the theme has permeated, you know, all areas of the um, of the hobby. Yeah, of the hobby. So I mean, yeah, and that's interesting, right? Like, there have been train games for a really long time in the board gaming hobby. Like, is that just because of the the people? Is it because it's the easy to simulate type thing, or that I want to simulate it, or is it, you know, what what makes it? Why are they there? You know, and that's a really interesting thing. Maybe it goes back to that history. Trains have been along around longer than cars, but couldn't you do? Could you do the exact same thing, but with car companies? See. And I was thinking about this actually. Uh, or airlines, we, for that matter, or whatever. Right before we did, or shipping, right? Like that's another yeah. one that springs to mind immediately. And I wonder if it is because, first of all, train games like war games are map based, so that sort of lends itself to board gaming in general, I think. But also with railroad companies, the idea of like you being a singular kind of force controlling a railroad company and building those lines out and making decisions for the railroad company, I think gels in my mind better than, say, automobiles. Like, you know, the people making cars don't make roads, don't drive the cars. You know, it's not all the same entity like that. Good point, yeah. Yeah, Plus, and then with... It's historic. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and then, but, yeah, I think you're also right. Like, a lot of the early designers of this stuff are people that must have been involved. Uh, I mean, we know that they were involved in the war game hobby, too, which is very history-based, so I'm sure guys like Tresham and those um, Avalon Hill guys and Alan Moon were all like, oh, this is cool. We can do another historical simulation game, but with you know these economic railroad interests. We can fight with money and not with bullets. <laughs> that kind of thing. No, that that makes total sense. And to to kind of double back, excuse me, to double back on what we were talking about with Chattanooga. So 18xx in particular, and I guess 18xx players tend to be winsome players. I think as a general rule as well. So that part of the hobby, I think, gets a bit of a bum rap. That uh, it's very stodgy. It's very standoffish. It's very Oh, you know, look down your nose and you're going to get destroyed. We don't welcome new players type thing. On the opposite side of that, that's exactly what I expected to hear about the Chattanooga uh, train game convention that just went down. And we have a buddy, Paul Chad, or, or Chad, uh, who went to it and fully expected to go the first day um, 
be around a bunch of assholes and take the rest of the time and not go to the rest of the convention and just sightsee in Chattanooga. Sure. Um, come to find out, he said people couldn't have been more warm and welcoming. Now, obviously, he is an experienced 18xx gamer, but he was worried that it was all going to be about the Puff and Billy con or um, uh, tournament and everything, mm -hmm. and not a single person gave two hoots about the actual tournament. It was all about, hey, let's just play these games and have a good time, and just everybody was super nice. And I was like, when he told me about this, I was like, wow, I had no... I would have expected the dead opposite of that, just because, let's face it, outside of present company and the people that I game with and the people that y'all game with, there are certain vocal people in the hobby on various message boards and forums that <laughs> give the impression that that is not how the hobby is. And and we thought that our group was the exception to that and that every we're welcoming, we want new players because it's just going to give us more uh, of the opportunity to play these games. Come to find out, those stodgy, unwelcoming very social, I don't know, just mean people are the exception. And I think it's going to take some work, but I think that's an important stereotype to get rid of when it comes to this Definitely. part of the hobby. Yeah, I, I've not found uh, all the groups that I've met or have, have been welcoming. And uh, um, and I do think when you're in somewhat of that niche that you tend to seek out those people who... You know, I, I'm now trying to find more people who want to play these games with me, and so you know, and you start cultivating those um, those discussions. And um, but yeah, no, it's 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 um it's interesting to see where the the war gaming group and the how that relates to trains, how that relates to the Euro, relates to the you know all these kind of subgroups of of things. I, you know, I, I kind of look at it like I don't like dexterity games, um, but I can appreciate why people like them. And but there's this this whole group that like they find and collect and do all these things with these um, dexterity games. But see, I can relate because I can understand being, you know, the things that I like, and I, you know, they're the smaller groups of stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I have yet to run into a hardcore crew of dexterity game players, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to meet this group eventually. Uh, yeah, they're out there. They're, they're there. Do they have their own conventions? What's that? Do they yeah. have their own conventions too? Is there a dexterity there is when it comes there? to Crokinole. Oh, yeah, there I suppose. Are, huh? I mean, That's serious business. Or Carom. Um. But like you know, it's it's that whole. Well, I don't know how much of this is how much of it is the collecting and the, um, you know, finding that rare game and finding the how much of that is is the train stuff because it is so so niche. Or you know, we were talking about the, the idea of the, waiting two years to be on a list for somebody to make the game for you and you know four that, years. Yeah, four yeah, years. yeah, yeah. It's really more like four. How um, does that? Well, it it's not helping. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. But at the same time, you have GMT uh, wading into the 1846 world just trying to see, hey, is there a market? And they were blown away at the response of that. So when you have, let's face it, the overwhelming majority of 18xx games in particular, or even the winsome games, it's a cost-prohibitive part of the hobby because a cheap 18xx game I don't even know that there is such a thing. Is a hundred bucks? Sure. Just flat out, as a general rule, that's on that's between a hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars is going to be the cost of an eighteen XX game. Obviously, some of the Mayfair stuff, which is overproduced in a bad way, uh, may be cheaper. But when you let me grab one of these guys, like, all right, so we're talking about the four hour wait or a four year wait. That's 1817, and this is originally done by Deep Thought Games. Well, they have licensed it out to, I forget which one it is. It's either All Aboard Games or All Golden Spike. 
Okay. All aboard does 1817. Okay. Um, and the turnaround time is less than a month on that. But that's a $235 game. So I think between very expensive as well as very niche, I think that's definitely a barrier to entry. And so there's 18AL, which we recommend. That's a print-and-play you can do. 1889 you can print-and-play. Um, and, and 1830 is the most accessible in a sense that, or more, most available. But I'm really, really hoping that this 1846 with GMT goes off without a hitch and we see more, not mass produced, but more so that they're not all done by hand. So that right. it lowers that barrier to entry. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, and the other barrier of entry, man, especially with games like 1817 and, you know, 1870 or something like that, it's just, you know, time. <laughs> so that's why another cool reason, 1846 with, uh, you know, I mean, my first game of 1846, I think we played in four and a half hours, and I had never played an 18xx game before. So, that, I mean, that, that sounds that's about really right. Doable, right? Like, that's... That's something we can do, and, and and lots of game players can do. But yeah, you know, when you're going to spend a hundred bucks on a game that's going to take you at least four hours to play, where you could be, you know, spending twenty bucks on a game that you're going to be able to get a lot of people to play and have fun with, uh, you know, that's definitely a tough decision to make. But how many of the 18xx games take two to four years to get somebody to, to like that you're on a list for that for that long? Say that again. I'm sorry. So, like the 18x, the the the, the ones that you're buying, like mm -hmm. to get on a list for two to four years to get somebody to make it for you. How many are, are like that? Like, well, Deep Thought Games is the, I guess the gold standard. Uh, I don't know if that their production quality is top notch, but they're all done by hand. And Deep Thought right. Games is a guy by the name of John Tamplin, who doesn't do it for the money because he doesn't it's one of those things to where he does it in his spare time and so he doesn't and he's not terribly motivated it seems lately and so that wait list is getting longer and longer so that that's an unfortunate thing because a lot of the more popular titles are are, are you have to get through him however because he's uh, done the licensing Yes. He's the only one you can get them through? It was the case. But recently, say in the last, I don't know, eight months or so, give or take a little bit, he has agreed to let Golden Spike Games and All Aboard Games um, produce these under the Deep Thought Games name uh, for a premium price, which I think it's 20% markup. Um, that sounds right. Or expedited delivery. So I think 1846 through whichever one of those two it is, and I, I get them mixed up, which is which I apologize to those guys. They do as good a quality as Deep Thought, as John Tamplin did at Deep Thought, um, but it's like $117, I think, for 1846, whereas GMT is doing it for 47 or $48 once it's finally produced. But there's also O and O, uh, who is uh, only an Olger or Orgler, sorry, over in Austria. They do 1880. Um, help me out, Matt. 1880. Um, well, and what 1844 and 1854 were theirs too. But we're maybe gonna see a, a, a lookout Mayfair. Mm -hmm. that, maybe, hopefully. Well, I mean, we've been hearing about it for right? years, and yeah. still, they're still not happy with the. And we're going to see an 1880 reprint this year too. We were supposed to see it in 2014. So whenever they get around to it, and that's the thing with these is the production. They just they're not mo because the print runs are so small, and we're talking dozens or right. in the low hundreds. It's not a money-making venture. These guys design these games because they design the games they want to play, and it, you know, they happen to be produ They they have to produce them themselves. Therefore, there's just not. It, there's no money in it, and so they're not motivated to 
produce these games on a mass scale, and let's face it, there just isn't the demand for them. And that's where, I mean, not to toot our own horn here, but that's why part of the reason we wanted to do the whole 18xx, you know, hey, this is why we dig them on our show. A lot what like what the Longview did a couple years ago with Eric Brocious and Joe Huber. I, put in to, my, uh, I believe I put in my order for 1846 immediately after listening to that uh, that episode. Uh, still waiting on it, of course. But. <laughs> and, and, that help. And, and that's right. the thing. Some of these are so small a print run that when they do become available, they're $400, $2,000 for some of the stupid rare titles. Sure. It's just it's just nobody's going to do that unless you are an addict like say my buddy Chad. Which right. God bless him. I'm glad he is because it gives us access to just about every 18xx game in existence. Um right yeah, it's 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 frustrating that it's it's such a niche because it's self it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. There isn't the demand so they're not going to make a lot. If they don't make a lot, there's not going to be a lot out there. And when they are, they're expensive. So it doesn't help spread the, the joy of the hobby. Definitely. It, so I'm trying to understand this, how do the war, the war games seem to do uh, find that? GMT is built on that. I mean, is, is it could, could the 18xx games grow to that point to where, I mean, obviously GMT is jumping into it. We hope. I, I think that that's a model that could work for 18xx games. Um, you know, the P500 or uh, what's MMP's version? The P300 or something like that. Right. Like, th th those seem like cool systems. I think crowdfunding has worked pretty okay for 18xx when that's happened. So 18OE and 1862 was a... And, uh, 60 and 62, I think. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Yep. So I think... I think those are good ideas, but you know, it's going to take uh, companies with, you know, like GMT that have experience with larger print runs, um, and and people that just want to do it, right? Like, so if you have a game that's being handmade right now, you're still going to have to find the people with the money and the energy and the time to like say, cool, we're going to have like a pre-order system. We're going to take in these orders, and then we're actually going to do a print run of like whatever it is, uh, you know, five hundred, a thousand games. Um, it'll still be expensive, but yeah, I think I think it has the potential to work, and I'm really excited about the 1846 GMT release. Um, I would love to start seeing some details when they start coming out because I think you have a group. There's so many GMT fans, and you have a group that's now like, okay, we love GMT. Now let's try this game out, and I think we might see a big kind of uh, groundswell of enthusiasm for uh, 18xx. Like, and that's why almost everybody I know who is an 18xx player that has a copy of 1846 is still backing it. Absolutely, yep. it's a fifty-dollar investment to grow the hobby. Yep. I don't need it; I have it. It's it's right across this wall. But yeah. I'm trying to support that because I want GMT and other publishers maybe to see, look, there is an audience for these if you make them available at a reasonable price. Sure. So, I mean, we, we've actually bandied about the idea of, huh, I wonder how much it would cost to get the license for these and do it ourselves. Sure. We And, and actually get into the publishing. But the problem is... The print runs are so small as they are right now. There's just it's you, you can't do it and be profitable and pay yourself. Right, right. So, who's is the are the 18xx games evolving? What what are the new stuff that's? I mean, uh, a lot of these games have been designed. They've been out there for quite a while. What's what's on the new? Where is it going to? Well, there was that the I, I think tug in cheek. Somebody mentioned a uh, the idea of a um, uh, Rob Diavio, uh help me out a legacy eighteen oh, XX game. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was more or less tongue in cheek in that, but I bet you, I bet you it could be done. It would take ridiculous amount of 
of play testing and stuff. But um, I don't know what. Because uh, the design, if the, if the publishers aren't making any money off of off of these, the designers definitely aren't. Oh, so, their labors are to love. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think Andrew, and you might be sympathetic to this. <laughs> I think when new designers bring games. Um, bring out new games, I think that one of the things that drives them is that they'll say, well, no one's made an XX about this region or this yeah, yeah. period in history, and it's because right. they have so much enthusiasm for that. And maybe there's some economic stuff that they want to tackle, too. Um, one of these days, it'd be great to talk to Jimmy about 18SW to see sort of what inspired him, since that's not tethered to a geographical location, like... You know what? What got him excited to make that game? I think tackling the two-player thing is part of it for him. But, um, but yeah, I think the main thing is you know I just played what 18 SA South America from Marflow, um, you know, not that long ago, and it was sort of like cool. Let's let's see if we can do a whole game about like the South American continent. Like I'm sure that was like really the driving force behind some of it. And then you can do some cool like rules. Uh, modifications along the way, but yeah, I think a lot of it is just the love for the the historical period or the geographical area. Right, because I I would I would pay somebody to design 18AZ for me. Absolutely, <laughs> just right. Because I just want to play it. I just want to play the. There was a winsome 18XX game that was set in the Pacific Northwest that I was like, I just want it because that's my home. I'm from. Yeah. Well, and I know a little bit about the history of the, you know the trains here and the, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I have the same experience when I first saw a copy of 18 West or saw the art online. I was like, I saw those, you know, those Minnesota <laughs> railroad companies. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, I need to own this one day. Like, I just have to. Like, you know, just so I can run the the, the Empire Builder line. Like, <laughs> but is, cool. that, is that what's driving a lot of these? Is the geography or is it the uh, advancing the game design of 18XX? Like, both? I th yeah, I think both because I think people get excited about you know whatever geography or history that they're interested in, but then you know maybe there's historical reasons that will drive some of the rules changes, or maybe they just have you know maybe they were like oh I want to make a game with really tough terrain, or you know I want to do uh, something different with the stock market. 1817 is a crazy game, uh, and it's just got it's it's just real shorting different. of stocks and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just started up a game of 1880 on Rails um, with uh, Nicholas and Todd, um, and yeah, what an intense game that is, and it's just fascinating. It's like the geography is totally alien, and some of the rules are just they're just completely different than anything else I've really dealt with. And like it has a communism phase, absolutely a communist takeover, uh, right? Which I think is is fascinating, and that's part of what makes 1880 so cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I've not played 18FL, but I think that there's rules in 18FL for the hurricane that took out the Key West Railroad extension towards like you know, the early 20th century or something like that. I'm like, I love stuff like that. Like, I oh, dig that. And then yeah. there's uh, stuff like, I think it's 1841 or 1849. It's one or the other. And it is hard to keep some of them straight, especially because <laughs> anyone listening is like, it's just numbers, whatever. It's just right, right. Numbers. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll circle back on that in a second. But talking about 1817, it's all about investment and shorting and all that. And the reason 1817 is it was the year the New York Stock Exchange opened. So that thematically makes sense. Well, the one I was just uh, talking about, 1841, 1849, whatever, um, that takes that, that'll blow your mind. Because normally it's only players that invest in companies. Well, this one allows companies to invest in companies. And companies can start companies, and it's just it it goes a whole nother level or two deeper, and it's I think it's exactly what Matt said that it's a mix of historical companies, almost all I would say ninety five plus percent are all based on historically accurate companies and geography, and then you have hey. What if we do this and do a different riff on the rules? The the base rules, the the core is all going to be the same, and then it's just what direction is it going to go off in from there? Which and makes I it a lot easier, a lot easier to expand into new games, right? It's an evolution of 
Like it's already accepted that you're gonna use that base rule set, right? Yeah. Versus like you know when I if I'm designing a, a Euro game, I have to somewhat either come up with a new a new mechanism or or really tweak somebody else's stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of those things that once people if they get the ball rolling with 18xx, um, they'll realize it like, oh wow, now that I've got a rule set down, it's super easy to get into the next game, sure. um, which is a great thing, especially uh, you know when you're trying to learn like new war games every week or two weeks, and you have to sit down with another like you know 30-page rule book and another playbook that goes along with the rule book and the scenario book that goes along with the playbook, right. and you're like, oh, give me mm-hmm. give me 18xx. I just want to read the differences from 1830. Like, oh, we can half capitalize. Awesome, let's go. Like, right. That's exactly it. Because once you know one, it's small jumps for yep. the most part into the overwhelming majority of the rest. There are some exceptions, stuff like 1817 and and even a game like 1880 is vastly different. The core is there, but it's vastly different. But to go from 1830 to 1857 or to 18AL or to 1840, right. it, it's it's no problem. You can hit that on the ground running. And in the Euro, the Euro world, I mean, Russian railroads and all that. Had, what's your what's your take on the on uh, the best games in that? I mean, do you still enjoy those compared oh. to the 18xx, or how does that? Well, um, I guess we could we, we we kind of branch into Euros and Winsome, or do you want to keep Winsome its own animal still right now? The reason I ask is like Queen Games has gotten into and kind of Euro-ish, but like Russian Railroads in particular, that's a cool worker placement game. To I would I would call it train themed. Sure. Um, but no, absolutely, I enjoy those, and I, I, I am very much a Euro-based guy. Like I enjoy Euros first and foremost. I also enjoy war games. I also enjoy 18xx. But Euros are my are my bread and butter. I guess that's what we mostly play, and I thoroughly enjoy them. I mean, Age of Steam, I guess winsome, but you get the idea. Yeah, I, I, I did, uh, I dig. Euro theme train games, but again, when we get into the Euro side of things, theme I couldn't care less about. If it has a unique theme, that's only going to enhance the game. But as long as it's got a cool set of mechanics, I'm game, and I, it could be about anything or nothing, and I'm totally fine with that. Matt. Um, well, I'm more persnickety than Ed. Um, <laughs> you? Uh, yeah, right. Um, there, I, I like Euros. I find myself um, with decreasing patience for new Euros. Um, and as far as train games in Euro, I don't know. Like train-themed Euros, they could be good. It just depends. Um, I just don't know, think I, anybody's really explored, you know, a good Euro train game. I mean, I, Russian Railroads, like like you said, it is a little bit of a pasted on that that could have been really anything. A little um, bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, um, so yeah, I don't think anybody's really approached the the Euro and made the mechanisms really work. At least none that I can think of. You know, Maybe, well, I mean, like... like I said, I'm new to the hobby, so it's, it's not like I don't know... Maybe some of the, I mean, like the the Alan Moon games, right? So I mean, you know, Ticket to Ride, um, Union Airlines Pacific, Europe. or Airlines Europe. I mean, those are those are I I like those games. Um, I love Airlines Europe, but yeah. it's airlines, not trains. But same same. But it's based it's based on a train game that he designed earlier. You know, right. so you know, it's sure. it's all in there. Um, and then yeah, I mean, there's something kind of I don't know. Age of Steam is sort of its own monster, right? Like. But maybe first train to Nuremberg, that's pretty Euro-y, and a train game. See, and I think the problem with getting a Euro uh, train game is even, you're talking Russian railroads, that's made by 18xx designers. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so you, it, it's it's a fine line because 
you can't stray into game length or game mechanics that either Winsome or 18xx games do well because if you do, then you're going to be like, oh, I'd rather just play 18xx or whatever. Like that game over your right shoulder right there. We recent, we're fairly recently reviewed Baltimore and Ohio. We enjoyed that game. The problem is for the game length and for what it, it has some cool ideas, we'd just rather play an 18xx than right. ever play that game again. And so it, it becomes... I mean, it's it's good for gateway gamers, and by gateway, I mean gateway from a Euro into an 18xx or winsome area of the hobby, but for 18xx players, it's that real fine line because you're going to, you have to not make them want to just, oh, why am I playing this when I could be playing whatever, you know? Sure. And yeah, I wonder if that's part of the why why people are are reticent to venture too much into that category. Go ahead, Matt. I'll shut up. Oh I'm yeah, I was just going to say that one of the one of the regular groups I play with, it's just it's they just play 18xx all the time. Uh oh. Did he freeze? I think he did. I think we lost him. I think we did. All right, so moving on. Uh, well, we can we can carry on. I'm sure he'll come back, right? Oh, uh, uh, the joys of live TV or yeah, yeah. live, whatever. I'm gonna inject eject him. I guess I can eject people from. Wow, look at oh, there he went. Bye, There's Matt. The power. Let's see if he comes back. We have to eject <laughs> right. him before he. Gets All right, back. so so let's move on. Well, um, uh, so, Winsomes. Yes. How's you know, it's it's a system. Uh, he puts them out. Uh, people pick them up. People publish them. Um, how do you? Yeah, yeah, what are so, your thoughts on that? <laughs> so, winsome games are the odd duck of the hobby, as if eighteen XX isn't already. But uh, so John Bohr, who famously had a uh, falling out with Martin Wallace over Aegis Steam, which originally was a winsome game. So John Bohr is winsome games, right? Basically, what it is, is every year he puts out a collection, a set, the Winsome 2015 set. You're either a subscriber and you get them or you don't get them. He does 80 copies uh, that are open to people that are not already subscribed to the list. So 80 new people every year can get on this list. And you. It's then he makes another 80 that are hand-delivered and numbered at Essen, and that's all he makes. Now, the list is ever-growing, so let's say in 2014, 80 more new people that haven't gotten them get added onto the list that was already, let's say, 200. I don't know. I'm just pulling a number out. So now we're at 280. 2015 comes along, add 80 more. Now we're at 360, whatever, and I jumped in on it for the first time this last year. It's that's $150. Yeah. You have to get a USPS money order, mail it to him, and not and just a, it has, yeah, it has to be from the postal. Yes, He's and very... it's we're we're actually going to interview him here next month and ask him about all this stuff. It's all about his convenience. Yeah. They are made. They all come in these clamshell containers here. It's all handmade. Uh, the charters are all construction paper with, see if we can get it, our construction paper are the trains. There are wooden cubes. And basically all you're paying for is the lowest production of low. $150 will get you three games and maybe an Age of Steam expansion and maybe some other small expansion. And that's it. And and that's that's what it is. However... It's a bunch of different designers. Some people assume that some of these pseudonyms or are pseudonyms for John Bohr himself, and some are legit people because some of these people have never been seen, right. neither here nor there. But they're very, they are extremely boiled down all about the mechanics and the interactions between players. It's almost always zero random games uh, and just really interesting ideas behind them and yeah and once you get bitten by the bug 
it's 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 hard to kick the habit, so to speak. And then over the years, other publishers have, you know, they license them from him and have published these, um, and they're still doing it. I mean, Continental Divide is was out on Kickstarter. Meagle Griffin, um, you know, it's it's and then uh, Chicago Express and all those by Queen Games, right? Yeah. Um, does that model work? That when you say work, what 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 exactly? So do you mean? it's a variety of publishers. The games are are changed. I mean, some publishers do different things with them. I mean, is it is it? Um, do you prefer now that you have the the clamshell? Uh, do you prefer that plex? You know, you got to put the plexiglass over and play experience or. So that's a tricky answer. Um, I'm glad you asked it though, because a lot of people look at 18xx games and, and especially winsome games and look at it and are like, "You're kidding me! You paid right, right. good money for that?" Yeah, because they're very stark looking. They are. However, um, and I was I was one of those guys actually before I started, and come to find out, it's all about. Ease of ease of play and ease of use, and I, I don't think Matt is ever going to come back. Um, it's all about ease of play. Now, <laughs> let's take for instance the the winsome games that have been published by Queen Games, um, Chicago Express, uh, Kansas Pacific, German Railways, whatever. Those are fancier versions. They have you know instead of cubes, they have little wooden trains, which hey, that's nice and everything. The problem I have with the big publishers taking over these is they do form over function, whereas Winsome is 100% function over form. And I like somewhere in between, but if I have my choice, I want a game that is very crystal clear and easy to make out things, then, oh wait, is that brown or is that black? Is that blue or is that green? Is that orange? Is that yellow? And those are the problems that I've run into and a lot of people have run into when it comes to uh, Queen Games and, and apparently Eagle Griffin is, is doing that as well. They're overproduced, but it's eye candy, you know? Do I prefer the Winsome Games? Yeah, but I'm, I'm a collector as well as player. Sure. But as long as it's playable, fine, whatever. Have you yeah. played any of the Winsomes? I have. Um, I, I got on the list this year too and picked up um, the set. Um, and I, I, yeah, I mean, my view is that that that's all you need in the game. I mean, he really does give you the minimal of what you need, and and it and it plays and it plays fine. Um, and as long as you understand that, that's that's fine. But I do, I am a fan of art and you know some not overly produced but then like i said what 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 you get is the publisher's interpretation of that game mm -hmm. which then you have to, you lean towards which publisher is it and how much effort and time did they put into um you know were they just putting it out to just put it out or were they was it a love of the game was it you know it's it's those kind of things that that um you know i don't know um I like good-looking games, though, I have to say. Oh, I do, too. I do. I'll, I'll be perfectly yeah, yeah. honest. I love... Um, take 18OE is a perfect yeah, example yeah. of a meshing of the two. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, I can't think of the uh, publisher. It's Dice Games, D-I-C-E. Uh, total brain fart. Moving on. Yeah, he yeah. kick-started 18OE, but he also went the extra mile and asked for input on the uh, the tiles and just the whole uh, graphic design of the game. Because let's face it, a lot of these games, especially from Deep Thought games and stuff, they are extremely functional. They're just not the prettiest to look at. Right. But 18OE is beautiful to look at, extremely functional. And you get the best of both worlds. So I, I 1844 and 1854 has uh, Clemens Franz doing the artwork. And he uh, went to the 18xx community and asked for input on the map because he does beautiful artwork. You know, he's the guy from Agricola and, and all those type uh, Euro games. I've seen pictures of the map and I think they look beautiful. And so there can be a meshing, but 
decisions, when a decision needs to be made, in my opinion, especially when you're looking at a game that's going to take anywhere from three to eight hours to play, if you have to sacrifice something, I feel like you have to sacrifice form before you sacrifice function. Right. Well, and we're in this perfect, this like great world to where um, you can get that feedback with, with Board Game Geek and you can reach out to that community because they're already using it there. Um, and so that you can take something like a winsome game and then make it into something really special. Um, but you have to reach out to that community and involve them. I, I would imagine the same would be if you were doing an 18xx game. I mean, you're just foolish if you're not asking asking the community what they're for their input on it. Because you look at the 1830 from Mayfair, that that's an abject disaster. Yeah. The the way they produce that um double-sided tiles you this one this tile for this side is used for this expansion and this just what not to do that is the the poster boy because they just oh we're just gonna do this oh this will be perfect and it's uh across the board panned but it just happens to be the one version that's most accessible uh most available to people so that's what they go off of but it's just well, I mean, you're you're like you said, you're an artwork guy. What do you think of 1830 for that for them? Have you seen it? I had, you know, so this is where I I I just haven't been in the hobby. I mean, I've seen um, I've seen the box. I haven't seen the. Mm. Um, I've just haven't been in long enough to play a lot of. A lot Let of me ask: Have you seen Railways of the World? Yeah, and th that's um, I've played that, and uh, uh, so yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. I think like a, I also have a hard time judging games in the past like, now because I think you can do so much more um, with that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I feel know. like gamers are more. Uh, they have higher expectations nowadays. They than do. They did. But I also have seen people, you know, like they're totally. And this is, I, I think, publishers don't get some of this. Is that idea of that I can you know, pull out the winsome game and put the plexiglass on and, and have a great evening. And so publishers need to realize that you need to, that's the thing that we were talking about. It's like, it's, it needs to fit into that, that uh, gameplay. And we're more complaining about how it in, gets in the way of the gameplay than it is. But I mean, I, I'll open up like a Francis Drake and just, wow, that board is, you know, gorgeous. You know, it, I'm not sure how it's going to impact the, you know, the gameplay. But when I first open it, I'm like, wow, like that's very cool. And, sure. And, and you know, it helps sell the, copies. Sure. But sure, it, sure. It, it, I feel like you, too many publishers lose sight that function has to trump. It has to trump right. form. Right. And the artwork's just got to be, but it sells copies. So, Hey, what do I know? I'm just, you know, the dude buying winsome games. So what do I know? You know? <laughs> well, I don't think Matt's going to come back. Um, looks like he's been lost and it's one o'clock. So I think we should, we should kind of wrap, wrap it up. Um, All right. Well, hopefully people got something out of this and, yeah. and I, me sounding like a, a frog mated with Barry White. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, it was, it was a bad uh, season for illness. Uh, this winter it's it's been kind of crazy um what are you looking most in uh in train in the train game genre what's what are you most anticipating well i mean it's got to be 1846 from yeah. gmt they they just need to not screw it up they don't have to they don't have to do much to it you know what i mean just don't screw it up if they do that well then I think that's going to be a huge boon for the 18xx community. And to be honest with you, for gamers in general, because if you are in the neck of the woods, as far as gaming goes, that we live, we being heavy cardboard, that we are in the medium and heavier end of the, of the pool as is, it's not a big leap to get into 18xx games. You said it yourself. You haven't been in the hobby terribly, that terribly long, Yet you were able to make the jump, no problem, right? Oh yeah, I think any Euro player would really enjoy. Um, I mean, it it hits the same things for me, you know, the same 
the things that Euro games, the joy that I get out of them, it definitely all there. So, I mean, it's, it's, if 1846 is done well, I feel like that is the single most important pivotal moment in the, in, in all of 18XX. Like this could be a big thing for the, the right the, price, the right yeah. price point, the right availability yes. because GMT's in all distribution. Production. Right. Everything. Production. I think it's like the perfect storm. So that is far and away number one on my list. Um, other than that, I'm really looking forward to getting a copy of 1880 China when it gets reprinted, which hopefully this year. And also the the one that Matt was talking about was 1844 and 1854. Right. It's two games put together into the same box. It's going to be like 18OE size box or like Caverna size box. Right. But I'm looking forward to those. But yeah, far in a way, 1846. Cool. And you, you have, there's some kind of football game going on today. I, I, I've heard, I've you heard. know, and seeing as I live in Denver, it's... <laughs> Dude, this town is insane right now. Uh, this is the first time we've because we've only lived here, I think, six years, and it's cool. Like whenever any of the teams are doing well, everybody's talking about it. And the the bummer is, I'm a transplant, so I have my own allegiances, and none of which are Denver. Sure. However, as long as it doesn't negatively affect the teams that I root for, hell yeah, I'm on board rooting for. For the local team right. so i'm excited i hope i hope the broncos do well but in all honesty i just don't see how the offense scores enough points to keep up with carolina i think carolina just drops a hammer drops i hope i'm hammer. wrong yeah but cool well, so anyway thanks for having me on yeah thanks for joining us even even though you were uh you know down with the crud and, yeah no i it was fun and like i said i just hope people get something out of it and they realize that if you dig the theme or you want to take that next step into the the wonderful world of trains don't be afraid yeah and check out gmt's p500 you don't pay now you don't pay until it's produced so you're Where's just it at have you looked at it recently is it uh the g uh as far as the numbers yeah, there yeah. last i saw it was in the in the five or 700s um and their p500 it's all about 500 right. and actually give me just a moment and I will look here. It is 895. So almost 900. So yeah, it's 47 bucks. Hard to beat. So, and to plug the show real quick, if you guys, uh, anybody listening, heavy cardboard, we come out twice a month. Uh, you can, we're super active on Twitter at heavy cardboard. You can check us out heavycardboard.com And, uh, yeah. yeah, normally I don't sound like this, so bear with me. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a uh, have a good day, and thanks for joining us. Cool, and thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to watch future episodes of you guys. So, technical difficulties aside, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it you, out. Yeah, we're just trying you, to get some people to come come talk about. Uh, you know, we love train games. So that's awesome, man. Well, thanks for having me, and good luck going forward. All right. All right. Talk later. later.